Why do kids play sports? Is it to go pro or earn a scholarship? Or are they looking for extraordinary experiences that they can build on for the rest of their lives? I want to help the next generation of parents and coaches keep youth sports about the kids. And I am so glad that you're joining me. And welcome back to the Kid First Sports Podcast. I am your host, Coach Dave Vasileros, and I'm back on the road for this episode down in Salt Lake City. And I want to tell you a story first before we get started. A few years ago, I took a course and got licensed to be a referee for soccer. After playing all through college and coaching for 15 years, I was like, yeah, refing's going to be cake. It's going to be right down my alley. One of my first assignments was a game of nine-year-olds. It was like a small field, seven players on each team, 77. And I rushed there straight from work. I got changed in the parking lot, did the whole pregame routine, and I had a hard day at the office. And my head wasn't really in the game, like as much as it should have been. And the first half, I made a mistake and it resulted in a goal for one of the teams. I'll spare you the details, but the coach was going bananas. The parents are yelling and everyone's yelling. So I took this deep breath. I'm like, all right, what do I do? Do I just leave it alone and say, this was the decision I made, or do I go talk to this? So I walk over to the coach to hear him out and he calmed down a little when I was talking to him, but he clearly let me know that I was wrong. So now I'm facing a quandary. Basically the mistake I've made had to do with who touched the ball last before the goalkeeper picked it up. And I thought it was one team and it was the other team, whatever. I couldn't just take the coach's word for it because the goal had already been scored. The other coach would be freaking out if I did that. So I went up to these adorable nine-year-old girls and I'm like, hey guys, can you come here for a second? Who was the person who kicked the ball to the goalie last? And the one girl raised her hand and it was not the team that I thought it was. So I had made a mistake, clearly made a mistake. All the girls agreed. They all told the truth. So I fixed the mistake, took the goal away, gave the ball back to the team. And the adults chilled way out at that point. No more yelling at me. The, the coaches didn't yell at me anymore. They were really chill the rest of the game. And that's when I knew, A, refing is no joke. It's hard. Even if you played the whole time, you're going to miss things. It's very difficult. It's very different. And B, there's a whole human element at play when you are officiating child playing sports, right? Youth sports of any kind. In the words of Bill Cosby, I told you this story so I could tell you the next one. And the next one is about my guest whose name is James Keddington. James and I met on LinkedIn. I knew I had to get him on because he's got a totally unique perspective that we haven't had on the podcast yet. We've never spoken about the role of what I'll call kid first officials in youth sports. James is that, and he's got a story to tell. Welcome, James. Thank you. Thanks for, thank you for having me. Man, it's so awesome. And just since we're just regular people doing regular things, we met in Salt Lake and the studio we were going to record in wasn't available to us for some reason, even though it should have been. So we just drove up the road and now we're sitting in this beautiful park. <laughs> the sun's out. We've got a little brook going by. It's really something. Yeah, I think I might be coming up here in the future just to meditate and just to relax and unwind. <laughs> I know. It's a great spot. It's quiet. It's beautiful. Well, James, uh, thanks for jumping on here. And I think you have a really interesting story to tell. Um, first of all, you're coming at this from the official standpoint, right? Excuse me, not the official, but from the standpoint right. of an official. Right. But you were also an athlete. You yep. played sports all growing up? Played sports. I played Little League Baseball. I did water polo in high school. Yeah. Water polo? Yep, water polo. That's our family sport now. Get out of here. Okay, so you weren't raised in Utah. I don't think they have a lot of 
polo? No, we don't have. A, we have about 22 programs in Utah now, water polo. But I was raised in Southern California okay. where the hotbed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, where you can swim all year round and play yep. sports in the pool. So there's 22 programs. I want to get into this a little bit. Yeah. I've never interviewed anyone about water polo. I'm not sure I've even met anyone who has played water polo. So tell me just a little bit about what makes water polo thrilling and unique for the people who've never played and probably never even watched it. Yeah. So imagine a little bit of hockey, a little bit of soccer, a little bit of basketball rolled into one sport where you're not touching the ground, where in between goals during dead time, you're still swimming and uh, you're not resting and the uh, strategy of chess. So that's what water polo is. Oh my gosh. Okay. That seems complicated. It seems like a, that's a sport where it's played as much in your mind as it is in your body, right? Every stroke that you make is a deficit on your strength reserves. Right? Absolutely. It, and your field of vision is six inches above the, imagine when you're playing soccer, if you're laying on your stomach, trying to see over everybody. Oh so your field of vision is often inhibited as well. Yeah. Okay. All your limbs are moving at the same time. Yep. But you're not able to use your fighting gravity all the time. It's not your yep. friend. You can barely see. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, water goes in your mouth and in your nose because of course you're exerting. So you're trying to make sure you have enough oxygen. So you've yeah. got to be breathing heavy while you're working. Yep. Is there a lot of physical contact? Tons, just like hockey or rugby. Yeah. Tons. I play with all my kids and we have a rule. No one's allowed to talk to CPS because if they come, they're like, did your dad ever hit you? <laughs> yes. Why did he hit you? I kicked him. Why did you kick him? He was trying to drown me. Why is he trying to drown me? It would just be a bad day for all of us. That's really funny. Wow. Okay. I'm thinking I probably need to check out water polo a little, like just even a little. I always thought that water polo players always were like six, six, long limbed, like uber swimmers who could yeah. also throw a ball 800 miles an hour. Is that just about right? No, the top level, it's, they screen for that for sure. In fact, yeah. a lot of the national teams are bigger than like a defensive line for college football. But, but we've got a five-time Olympian who's my size, 5'10", 180 pounds. So what does it take to be excellent at water? What sets you apart physically? And then what's the mental character of a top-level water polo player? I think with any sport, mental resilience is a characteristic of any top player, regardless of the sport, mm -hmm. right? Because when everybody's a top player, you've got to take the failures and just let them go past you, right? Mm -hmm. But that mental resilience in water polo starts early on because when I'm coaching little kids, I say, okay, your first job is to not die. Like, yeah, don't, exactly. don't drown, right? Yeah. Don't drown. And a lot of kids, when they start, it's, we teach them to tread. It's called egg beater. It's a very efficient way that keeps your head above water where you're not bobbing up and down like a, like a buoy in the ocean. And so we teach them to tread that way. And their confidence builds from that moment where, hey, I can tread water for a long time without getting tired. And so we, that mental resilience starts early on. I remember we had a girl, she came in and she's, I don't like to touch people. Is there a position? And so I put her in the position where she did the most touching. Oh, and I did it because there's the most physical contact in that spot. I knew that because she didn't like that contact, she would break herself free to create shot opportunities. Oh. But now I, we play on a volleyball team together now. She graduated four or five years ago. And man, like her mental resilience is just off the chart for where she started out in high school. It's amazing. That's awesome. I'm thinking that when you're playing a sport like water polo, that in the back of your mind, there's some, there's this 
how do I want to call it? Like this meter. Yeah. That you're constantly, because it's one thing to play the game, but the other thing is stay alive. Like yeah. I've never been in a sporting environment where part of my brain needs to be tuned into stay alive while playing. Yeah, I think that's where I lost it emotionally the most. The older you get, I don't know, masters, you get old guys who resort to over phys like extra physical play because of the lack of energy yep. and agility. Yeah. And man, some guys will just hold me underwater and yeah, you start panicking. And that's where sometimes I like come out yelling. <laughs> like you're saying things and but yeah, like there is a point where desperation kind of kicks in. And I can imagine what that does to your tactical brain, right? Yeah. Like I'm supposed to be playing in this position and this is what the kind of movement I'm supposed to make. Oh wait, I'm drowning. Yeah. I don't care about my position. Yeah. And I think the younger kids deal with that. When you get into older high school, less of a thing because they're stronger mm -hmm. and they have more confidence. And so when someone comes to do that, they know how to get out of it. Yep. But then the older you get, the less you're able to do that too. So then it comes back full circle. Yeah. And how deep is the pool usually? You when can't stand. So, so it's, whatever that, so it seven, should eight be, feet? It should be seven, eight feet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. It's fascinating. I think there's a whole world of water polo that I think I need to learn more There's a club about. in Boise. If you want to go hop in, I know. Is there really? Take, yeah. I know they'll take you. Okay. Okay. The, okay. Listen, I was in the non-swimmer swimming class in high school. Yeah. I was an outstanding athlete and a terrible swimmer. So the chances of me getting in the pool with anyone else that way is zero. But I would like to go watch maybe yeah. and see what yeah, it looks yeah. like in person. Yeah. Let's shift a little bit. Yeah. So you played, you've coached. Yep. Now you officiate. Yeah. We'll use the term ref, right? Yeah. In different sports, use different terms. But you ref yep. water polo. Yeah. Tell me about the switch from coach and play to officiating a sport like this. Yeah. So I coached for 11, 12 years. And any sport where it's a small population you don't have a large pool of coaches, a large pool of refs or players, right? Mm -hmm. And as a result, referees get to know the players. And mm -hmm. I discovered that a lot of the old school referees were coming prejudging the kids. Hmm. And I, I think we all, all have these things in our mind, like this is going to happen. They've been this way before. They've right. been this way yep. again and again. So you, you just get to know the players really well and the coaches really well. And that can be good. And it, and a lot of times it can be bad. And I don't think it was ever consciously like, I'm going to treat this player this way. But for sure, players were being judged on how they played three, four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And you mark them out in your mind as like, a ref. Oh, they like, always do this. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, the yeah. moment a situation looks similar, boom, calls go against them. And I realized it wasn't fair for the kids. Mm -hmm. There just wasn't, they just didn't care as much. There was just like this lazy mentality, at least from my perspective. You mean the officials? The officials, yeah. yeah. And I wanted more for the kids. I'm like, we need a bigger pool of referees that care. And there's this old mindset. And I think it's across the the sports industry yep. that there's a, a natural, normal division that is conflict in nature between mm -hmm. officials and then athletes and coaches. Yeah. And it's just not necessary at the kids' level. Yes, I think you nailed it there. That absolutely exists. And I think it's getting worse because as I've, I've coached and played and as I've coached over the last 10 years or so, yeah. there's fewer and fewer refs. Yep. And the young ones stick around for one season. Yep. And then they quit. 
because yeah. there's the negativity is just out of this world. But the way it's been set up with this win first mentality by the coaches and the players and, and the parents and the clubs, like all the organizations, what they want is to win. They might say they want player development. They might say they're all about the child, but at the end of it, they want to win. Yeah. And if you have a win first mentality, often you can view the official as an obstacle to that. Yeah. And blame you. And we've all been there. I have done it. I've done it too. We've all done Tons. it. All the yeah. kids have done it. But it puts us at odds. You become almost a target of like a scapegoat for why my team didn't perform. Yeah. Here's an analogy from my marketing days. When people buy on price, it's because they don't know how to buy that item. They don't know how to judge its value. And I think when people don't know how to value a child based on anything different than a grade or a score in sport or a trophy, then it becomes that win first mentality. That's a really fascinating insight. As And, and it, it goes along, I'm going to sit and think on this for a second, because it goes along with what I've talked about in the past in that adults kind of default to a way that they interact with their kids with sports based on what they experienced as kids. Yeah. Most adults who are involved with youth sports aren't professional coaches. They yep. haven't gone through licensing classes. They haven't done a lot. They're just parents. Most coaches in this country are volunteer parents. They haven't even played at the college level or right. above. Yeah. The vast majority yeah. have not. And, and interesting to, to take that to the next step and say, not only do we default to what we know, but we maybe don't even know very much. Like what you just said, yeah. we maybe are valuing this wrong. Yeah. Think about how many men value themselves wrong. My value is based on how much money I make. Mm. My career. So why would you value, even though you intrinsically love your children unconditionally, if you value yourself based on how much money you make, why would you value your child differently? That is one of those questions that goes straight to your heart. And yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, yep, yep. That's, it could be painful to face that question. Okay. How do you as an official in a game address that? Because everybody in youth sports has a part to play in breaking that down, right? In making it better for the kids. How does an official, a ref, make it better for the kids? Yeah. My oldest son was getting super anxiety around a certain ref. Mm. Like tons of anxiety where it shut him down and couldn't play because wow. he knew that he would, you're allowed three exclusions in a game until you're out for the game, right? What's an exclusion? Like it's foul. A, like a pen, like a personal foul. Okay. Right. Where you go to like in hockey, the yep. penalty box, yep. right? Yep. So you yep. get three of those okay. in a game before you're out for the game. And he would get his three, like in the, by the middle of the second quarter, like every time with this uh -oh. ref, but he might get one, maybe two with every other ref. Right. And I realized some of these refs are saying, I don't like that player. I don't like that player. I don't like that player. And I'm saying, I made a decision. Every player is my favorite player. Hmm. And I know they've practiced hard since I last saw them. I can't wait to see their growth this week. What a breath of fresh air for an official to think that way. Let's go back to your story with your son. Yeah. So somewhere along the way, he had a bad experience with that official. Yeah. Right? It's a small community. Everybody remembers it. How did you as a dad, were you, co were you coaching yeah. him? Yep, I coached okay. him. Okay. Yep. How did you address that? Like, how did you help him try to get over that? Because you obviously noticed that was a problem. Probably not the best at first, right? Like suck it up, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then it became like, hey, what can we control, right? Mm. And as a coach, you know, I was addressing things as a father, but also as a coach, right? Mm -hmm. So I learned to put him in different positions as a coach. Say, okay, hey, we got a ref to, we got a coach to this ref because mm -hmm. we know 
-hmm. He has these tendencies and mm -hmm. all coaches do that to us. Yep. I go, this guy doesn't call that kind of foul. We're going to do this yeah. or wh whatever it is. Right. Yep. So that was, that was the easy one, but it also just came down to, Hey, we've just got to clear your mind. Like you just got to focus on what you can control. You know, that he is not going to do this. You know, he's more inclined to do this. So deciding ahead of time, how we respond mm -hmm. to avoid that anxiety in the yeah. brain. Did, was it successful? Sometimes, but teenagers. You're like, you know? I've, so, I mean, you've been in this, we've all been in this yeah. where we, we just like deliver this incredible monologue of wisdom to our children and they look at us and two minutes later, they do the exact opposite. I'm like, oh, well, yeah. why am I even talking? Like, yes, that's teenagers, but he yeah. got it, right? It helps yeah. sometimes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think those things are why I, part of why I love sports is because sometimes there is opposition that is out to get you. Mm. Maybe not intentionally, but just by the nature of it. Sure. It's, it's not competitive. It's yeah. competitive. Yeah. And learning to take a deep breath, focus on what you can control, look ahead and see the obstacles, work around it. Right. That's why we problem love solving. Yeah. Problem solve it. Right. Yeah. So you get them focused on the process, right? The, yeah. The process of solving the problems that they're going to face in a match. Were you always this way as a ref? Did you always think of this? And I'm going to use your phrase, every player is my favorite player. Was this always how you've looked at things? No, absolutely. No, not at all. I, I think when I started coaching, I was a horrible coach in the early years, right? Like my coach hmm. in high school, very emotional. I remember once my coach walked across the other side of the pool and punched the other coach. Come on. No, I'm not kidding, right? And so my example was when you don't like what's happened, you become combative, yep. mm -hmm. whether it be verbally or not, right? My first few years coaching, I had a shirt that I was going to print that said red, official member of the red card club because yep, two yep. or three red cards a season because I'd get a card I didn't deserve. So I'd say, I'm going to earn it now. And then I'd do a tirade of expletives on the ref. Yep. So embarrassing. But mm -hmm. as a result of that, like my kids' energy got out of sync. Mm. We were winning and we lost because they're caught up in all this drama, this bad yep. juju's going around yep. and they can't focus. And as I matured, I realized this doesn't help my team, right? And I naturally thought we're supposed to be opposing each other. I was not a great example no. of what you should be no. as a person, let alone a coach. Man, you know what? First of all, bravo for being introspective and allowing your ego to take a side seat for a minute to, to check and see how am I doing? Am I really helping? At what point did you say, not only is this not helping my team, but it's hurting me as a human and maybe in my relationship with my own kids or my players? There was a, a time where um, I almost got into a physical altercation with a parent from another team. Mm -hmm. And it was, the guy was as big as Drago from Rocky. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and my adrenaline had removed any yeah. wisdom or common sense. Yeah. yeah. Cause I'm not as big as Drago or no. Rocky or anybody. <laughs> right. And, um, but I couldn't shake it. Like I was so wound up for so long and we were ahead by three or four goals and we lost that game. And it's, and I realized that was my fault. Like my kids had a good flow. I should have just. Sit down and shut up. Sit down, shut up. Just not be so reactive and responsive. Yeah. And as I look back even years now, I was doing that because I wasn't healthy. To be mm -hmm. honest, like my mental health was sucky. I think sometimes sports is our safe place where it's like an excuse for us to be overly competitive. And so when we're stressed at home, we're stressed at work or whatever it is, 
well, it's sports. I'm allowed to be rowdy. I'm yeah. allowed to be verbally yeah. abusive to people. So yeah. we let it out in yeah. those spots. Outlet for bad behavior. Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here listening to a grown man speak vulnerably and introspectively about himself. And I'm saying, good, we need this conversation. Now, I'm not saying all of us are at a point where we would get into fisticuffs with Ivan Drago. But at the same time, I think all of us have the thing that pushed you to that point, right? The yeah. thing that pushed you to that point was some sort of misalignment of what you thought you were doing there yeah, and what you were really doing. After I, when I first started refing, it was just like, we just need more better refs. It wasn't like, I'm going to be this example to children and, yeah. and help yeah. them become kid <laughs> first. I saw that mindset, it's us versus them. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to cross the line. Yeah, I'm just going to be a better ref. Yeah. So that way the kids can get the game they deserve. Okay. But then it evolved to, wow, I've got these subconscious like judgments on kids. I see them coming in. Mm -hmm. I got to flip that mm. script. And instead of seeing them for what they did last game, I got to see them for what they practiced this week. And then mm. I had my own other health journeys. I went to school for like integrative health and mm. health coaching. And then I realized, wow, it's not just like our physical health. It's our mental health. Like it, There's so many yeah. um things going on across the spectrum of yep. health that changed the way we behave that I realized these kids are going through so much. Like I learned that one third of kids in Utah um, consider suicide as an option in high school. One third. That means in that game of there's 12 kids on each team. That means in that game, eight kids have thought or will think about suicide as an option for ending a uh, pain. And what if I'm the ref that says, you suck. Like my verbal expressions, you suck. Get out of here. Yep. You don't belong in this sport. Yeah. And then that moment they were thinking about that. I don't know. First of all, that is a sobering statistic. And I think that, I, I don't know what it is across the nation, but what I do know is since COVID, those numbers have skyrocketed yeah. amongst kids, loneliness, uh, depression, anxiety, drug use, addictions, pornography, suicide uh, ideation, all of that has gone up. Yeah. And it's interesting that we can bring this back to the nexus of youth sports and an official. And I'll throw this out. I once had a ref when I was playing in college. I don't remember his name. I just remember the experience I had. Most of the referees that we played with as a player, I thought they were all terrible, right? Of course, right. They, yeah. they weren't. But to my mind, it was. But there was one who would say encouraging, positive things the whole game to all the players. It didn't matter which team. Like, if you take me on the dribble and you beat me, later on the ref would be like, great dribble. Or if there was a shot that was, it was a good shot and a good save, he'd be like, great shot, 10, awesome save, keeper. And I'm telling you this, I remember this from 20 years ago. In fact, I hadn't even thought about it till just now, till you started talking this way. What an impact even an official can have on a kid. Absolutely. So this concept that you're bringing to the table, is it something that other people that can catch on? Have you talked with other officials in the sport or is this something you're sharing or is this something you're just quietly doing on your own? No, I'm, I'm not being outward like blogs and I'm not doing what you're doing, yeah. right? <laughs> but I'm not shying away from it either. In fact, yeah. I've caught quite a bit of resistance from other referees, right? And, and I understand where they're coming from in that the higher you get, coaches will play mind games mm -hmm. and do this, mm -hmm. but we're talking about kids sports. Talking We're about not kids. talking about professionals. Yep. We're not talking about collegiate. Yep. So let's just keep it there, right? And so, yeah, I, I will tell other referees. I was at a tournament a couple of weeks ago in Arizona and we're out to dinner the night before. 
and I'm talking, I'm telling, and there's a, the head referee for the tournament, he does NCAA stuff. And I got resistance from him, but I'm like, no, one third of those kids will think about suicide. Oh and when you say that to another ref, here's the other reality. As men, we have our, and women too, we have our mental health challenges. Totally. That makes it personal. Yep. Because yep. we all know someone who's attempted or yep. succeeded. Yep. And so it makes it real personal. And I could see in their eyes, holy crap, real. I didn't know that. This is yep. real. But then, but sometimes it backfires on you too, but I don't care. I've, I've had, How could I, it backfire? What do you mean? I mean well, the kids like... Well, no, it, it's really the coaches and the parents because okay. you give them... They, they don't share the abundant mentality or that, that kid first mentality. Mm -hmm. Like when you see, they really don't. So what happens is you give them extra time after the game or you go say, Hey, this is what was going on. Here's what I saw. Yeah. And then two weeks later, you said this and now you're doing this. Oh my gosh. Context is everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, and now I'm getting in trouble and they're, and then things, they, they let it escalate because they're not in a healthy place. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't change me. And we are saying how about referee. Like you remember that, right? 20 years later. At this tournament, it was a 12U only tournament. Three former Olympian players were coaching and one former Olympian coach was assistant coaching. Wow. 12U kids. And some of these 12U kids were amazing. Like it was incredible. Yeah. And so two of the coaches were US, the other one was Serbian. I remember roster checking and you can tell like on these kids, they are expected to play the perfect game and we're doing roster checks and these kids come through, we check their fingernails cause yep, yep, right. Yep. And IDs and stuff. And I realized I'm going to start labeling these kids. You look like the kid who makes everybody calm. <laughs> you are the Zen in the group. Yeah, yeah I'm Zen. <laughs> and all of a sudden I got through two or three, then the kids are coming. Okay. Who am I? Who am I? Coach? Yeah, who am who I? Am I? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, this is me. And then all of a sudden the coach is smiling and the coach realized I, I, you could see in their face this ref is not my enemy. Mm -hmm. And throughout the tournament, I would see these coaches become um, verbally, not combative, but argumentative. Like, yeah. why'd you do that? Or what about this? Never that way with me. You showed that you loved the kids more than you loved the game. Yeah. And, and by the way, one of the things that Kid for Sports does is to give adults involved with youth sports a new vocabulary because words are our most powerful tools or most devastating weapons, especially right. when we're dealing with young kids, right? Kids, when you say to that kid, you know what? I think you're the go-to guy. I think yeah. you're the guy that when the chips are down, everyone looks to you to see what you're doing. That kid may or may not be that, but what have you just put in his mind? You've put a word and a, a picture of himself of, oh, I am that guy. I can be that guy. Yeah. And even though that's a little thing, that's not a little thing. And I want to flip this one more if I can. If I was the dad to the kids that you talk to in that way, yeah. you know how I'd feel about you as a ref? I wouldn't care what calls you made as long as the kids were safe, right? As long as they were safe, because I'd be like, that guy cares about my child. Huh. Parents who see that coaches or officials or whoever it is truly genuinely care about their children soften they chill way out you don't get yelled like you said they're not going to yell at you because they know where your heart's at yeah they know you're there for the kids so let me ask you this if you were going to go address a room full of oh hey we have a little doggy visitor oh yeah hey okay man we're in a park this is <laughs> awesome if you were going to go address a room full of officials 
from all different sports, right? We'll call it a thousand referees at the big national multi-sport referee convention. Yeah. And the question that's put to you on the panel is, how do you battle burnout? What's, what advice do you give them to battle the burnout that comes from facing all of the negativity from coaches, parents, and even from the kids? There's a few things I'd say. One, it starts inward. What you're feeding your body and your soul matter. When I'm out refing, uh, most of the food we get at tournaments is junk food. Yeah. Our blood sugar is all over the place. When we, our blood sugar is all over the place, there's massive inflammation in the brain and yep. we're not making great decisions. Moods, yep. Yep, we have giant mood swings. I take my own food or I'll get stuff and I will only drink water, mm -hmm. stay away from the soda. That's the first, that, that's an easy thing. Take care of your, what you're putting in your body, the fuel you're using. Yeah. yeah. Because any good ref, because I've heard this from like FINA level, FINA's like a refs that can do Olympics, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. If things get out of control, it's the referee's fault. Our job is to keep things from escalating. Mm -hmm. If there's a red card or misconduct or whatever, right. that's usually the referee's right. fault. Because we did, yeah, it, it's yeah. an escalation yeah. of things, right? So in order to do that though, we have to stay calm. We can't stay calm if we can't control our body mm -hmm. and if we can't control our mind. Mm -hmm. Even before the game starts, the week before, the month before, the years before, what are you putting into your body food-wise, but also into the narratives that you're telling yourself, right? Mm -hmm. I've had some good referees train me on this. Like, hey, sometimes you just take the ball out and you walk the ball over to the coach who's yelling and say, is this a little flat? And you get them to buy in on your partnership. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Says you can't do it a lot because they, they get they, they figure end, out what yeah. you're, you're doing, right? Yeah, yeah. But what happens is you're now becoming a friend. And so there's lots of things Russ can do. To, but you have to decide that ahead of time. You can't be like in the moment, how do I calm this guy yeah. down? Like it's too late if he's yeah. already irate. So that's one. The, the second thing is you have to be confident being wrong. Mm. Right? The first Junior Olympics I went to, I was horrible. And the referee's part of it, she told me she coaches for UC Santa Barbara. He coaches for UC Davis. Trust me, they know more than you do. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. The, the thing is, what you did, hey, girls, who is the last person to touch the ball? When you acknowledge a mistake, yeah, it goes a million miles, yeah. right? And in soccer, one goal is a big deal. Huge. Water polo, you're going to score anywhere from 8 to 15 goals. Yeah. So one goal is not going to make or break the game, or even yeah. two or three sometimes, right? Yeah. So it's easy to be like, yeah, my bad. Yeah. And so uh, coach would be like, hey, what was up with that? Oh, dude, I blew it. Yeah. My bad. Like, I'm so, that's totally on me. Like, I yeah. knew the moment I called it. And they yeah. know you can't uncall it. Yeah. But when you say, yeah, I blew it, my bad. Or I'll talk to my partner. We'll correct it. We'll get it sorted out. Yeah. Like, just, we're, yeah. we're good. We're good. I think having that ability and also having the emotional bandwidth to not get wrapped up. I, I had a coach. He's always barking at me. And that's a tactic he uses. Yeah. And I go to him and I say, hey, we'll say Adam because yeah, whatever that's not his name is. Yeah. We'll say, hey, Adam, look at your parents. Yeah. Is that acceptable? No, I'll talk to him. They're mirroring you. Oh, I'm sorry, James. And that's when he realized that's a product of me. So having that emotional bandwidth just to be calm in the storm, like if you're not taking care of yourself. Yep. You're not going to have that bandwidth in the game when it's, yeah. when it, the emotions are naturally high. So I've got two things. So you yeah. you're, take care of your own physical and mental well-being. And yeah. that could be at tournaments where you're refing 
five, six games a day, three, four games a days in a row. That's really where that absolutely is key in those hard times. But I think it also builds up over time. If you are feeling healthy and you're happy in your life, it's going to translate into the one game that you ref on Saturday. So that's one yeah. thing. Yeah. The second part is keep remaining calm. Very interesting. And I want to wrap up with this concept of, does the phrase that you use, all of these players are my favorite players, each player is my favorite player, does that help you stay calm, stay rooted, and be able to ref in, in the best way? I think it does. Because when you asked that question, I went to, back to this time where I was doing that thing with the roster check. Hey, guys, I love you. I love you. I love Whatever. Not literally I know what that. you mean. Yeah. But there actually was a time where I did tell the kids, I love you all. Yeah. And that was, I'll, maybe we can tell that story later. Maybe we yeah. won't get to it. But this kid, he gets three exclusions. Mm. And- uh, So he's out. He's tossed. He, he's out. And yeah. he's mad at me. You can tell he's just, why? Why? Mm. Like, mm. like he's playing the victim role. Mm. But because we have this report before the game, I could go up to him after the game. And it was like a week later, doing roster checks with the same team. Again, small community. Small, yeah, you see him them a lot. Mm -hmm. And he's last on the roster check. And I said, hey, do you know that you're one of my favorite players? And I could tell that he had that look on his face that my son had with that other ref. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. He's, oh crap, here's the guy that likes to exclude. Because he didn't understand why he was getting excluded. And so I said, do you know that you're one of my favorite players? And all of a sudden, the smile and the beam. And, I, and his coach all of a sudden smiles like, oh, he's really? I'm like, yeah, the last week, I hope you learned what the coach taught you this week because you're great at your position. You just got to tidy up the mechanics, yeah. man. But you're one of my favorite. You're going to be great when you're a senior and junior in high school. And you know what? Not one exclusion in that game. Not because I didn't call it, because he didn't earn it. Okay, referees of the world. Uh, this is just, this is gold. This is gold. And if you think about it, what James is saying is be kid first. Yeah. When you look at a kid in a pregame and you are having a thought already, your thought in your mind is positive. Yeah. It's uplifting. It's yeah. encouraging. It says, this kid is here having a life experience. It's just wrapped up in sports. Yeah. And when you can verbalize that, now you have connected with that kid and that kid looks at you and looks at more importantly himself right in a whole new way flip that let's say that you were defensive and full of ego yeah and you got mad at that kid and you're like dude this kid i'm watching every single move you make today buddy i'm gonna have my eye on you yeah how does he respond horribly it, it it's just not healthy we tell these kids, like, hey, you got to make the call to teach them. Mm -hmm. What are we teaching them? We're teaching them a lot of things, not just the sport, but how to respond to adversity. How to, we're teaching them lots of things, right? So if we teach them, you come into a competitive environment, antagonistic, and with a victim mentality, how are they going to be a good worker? We had a girl, it's illegal to swim over the back of somebody, okay. right? So she swims over the back of a player. And the reason that rule exists is one, you can swim over someone's back and they take away their positioning yep. and ability to play, yep. but also you can get kicked in the face. It's a safety rule too. Yep. Yep. She got kicked in the face really hard, right under the chin. Oh, geez. And this referee excludes her. Okay, fine. She swam over someone. But then he says to me, with her able to hear it, she deserved it. Okay. Here's what he didn't know. Two years earlier, she was in a women's shelter with her mom because her dad beat the crap out of her and her sister and her mom. 
And now this ref is saying, you deserve to get kicked in the face. That's personal because she's going to grow up thinking, do men love me? Am I of value? And now a message that says, you deserve to be physically heard is reinforced by an official who's supposed to make the game neutral. But instead he's saying, you're deserving of physical pain. He doesn't know what she went through, but I know it. And she knows it. And her mom knows it. Why? That's why we don't say things like that. Yeah, that's why we don't. There's do literally that. no scenario where that's appropriate. Literally none. We're talking about children and adults. Adults under no circumstance. And this goes, by the way, not just officials. I have heard parents in the stands who, when a kid gets injured, will say the same thing. They had that coming from a foul they did earlier or something they did earlier. And I'm like, and I'm like, are you a grown up? You're talking about a child. Yeah. And, and so when I hear that story, I preach this all the time on, with Kiffer Sports. Your kids, the kids you coach, the kids you officiate, are bringing their whole lives with them to sports. Yeah. They're bringing their whole lives. And we as adults are, we're okay at compartmentalizing. Kids are not. Right. They bring that with them, even if you don't know about it. Hey, adults, parents, coaches, officials, take James's advice. And think every player on this field is my favorite player and see how that changes the feel of the game, diffuses tension, brings calm and allows the fun to flourish, right? That's yeah. what we're doing is flourish the fun, have the kids continue to play. Everybody's happy. James, I got to tell you, man, this has been totally mind opening for me. And I hope that our listeners will take this. It's awesome. I'm going to go back and talk because I'm still a referee. I'm friends with the, the yeah. people who are, are running refereeing in, in Idaho. And I'm going to share this with them because especially soccer, very antagonistic. So much so that refs now sequester themselves before yeah. the game, sequester themselves after the game. And it's for their own safety and they don't, they don't want to have to go get screamed at. But anyways, this has been awesome. James, thank you for joining me. Thank you for sharing this. It's amazing. Keep it up. I know you're not perfect at it. But you try and you're living the example of the things that you think are important, right? That's what matters. If what we're saying resonates with you, if this sounds like the kind of official that you want officiating your kids' basketball games or football games or soccer games or, or water polo, if you're in one of those parts of the country that plays water polo, share the podcast, like it, review, get the word out. You just got to talk about it. This is Coach Dave with uh, Kid for. I always forget the end of my podcast. This is Coach Dave with Kid First Sports Podcast. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you again next week. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. Share it with all your friends. Tune in for new episodes as we grow this movement to keep youth sports about the kids. 